Good morning. It's a little bit of a special day to, to say that. I still remember um, that first Sunday after 9-11 and standing like I do right now in front of a church. I was, of course, devastated, crying out for God's mercy, claiming and crying for unity and committing to a new devotion and surrender to God. We need that, friends. We need that. Just this week, I, I saw the publication of a new book. It's an academic book, so it may not come your way in, in the kind of uh, normal books and normal book uh, shops that, where you shop. But it was a, a study of Bible-less Christianity. It was simply a study of what had happened in churches the last 30 or 40 years, and we now get to have people by the majority who claim the Christian faith who has zero or next to zero knowledge of Scripture. Professors that are receiving them in Christian schools, uh, kids that have grown up in, in places like this, strong, good, wonderful evangelical churches, and they come and they know next to nothing about Scripture. Evangelicalism may have risen in terms of prominence and in terms of, of newsworthy material on the various channels and papers, but Bible knowledge is disappearing. Friends, let us commit on a day like this that we want to be people that are unifying other people and ourselves around God's Word. Yes? I want to speak to you this morning about personality under construction. Since I saw you last, I have become a grandfather again. <clears throat> that makes you think of stuff like this. It really does. Although I've been blessed with, with now five, um, and it's not the newest thing that ever happens to me, but it's still equally wonderful, and it makes you think about the power of God's Word also to build personality. I think most of us have, uh, have read books, and some are ferocious readers and others not so much, and we like different genres. Some like tragedy, some like comedy, some like romance, some like mystery, some like anything that is just fast and you don't have to use your brain, whatever it is, right? We like different things. But when it comes to biography, it seems that there's something that goes beyond the genre and we are just captivated. If we read stories about people that we either adore or we are intrigued by what they have accomplished. And so we're looking and we read and we think, what made them tick? Or what was that pivot point that excelled them into the kind of prominence or gave them the kind of ideas that enabled them to have such massive impact 
on their surroundings and even maybe sometimes on the world. And if that's true on, with regular people, how much more true could that also be when we study Scripture from that angle? Like, how did Abraham hear God's call? And how did he make his decisions to move and leave everything behind and follow God? How did Moses solve his crisis? Or how did Joshua tackle his challenges? And how did Jeremiah conquer his depressions? How did Elijah find the kind of courage to stand up against 400 Baal prophets and just claim God's presence and power? How did Paul continue to have the stamina to get back up when he was beaten and thrown in jail and and hammered and left for dead and still got up and get back in the Word of God? These things are always, I think, intriguing to all people. What builds personalities like that? What calls forth people like Martin Luther, John Calvin, Ulrich Swingley, Balthazar Hübmeier that stood up against that whole great, massive church and said, here I stand, I can do no other. What calls forth a Abraham Lincoln or a Winston Churchill? Are these things just something you were born with or are there other things at play? We have a most riveting text in 2 Timothy. If you find it, it's in the back of Paul, right? On the last three letters of Paul. If you get to Hebrews, just go back a little bit, yes? Verse 1 of the second letter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self Discipline. Spiritual growth can be easily compared to what I just spoke about when we talk about biographies, about personalities. Here, too, We're looking for role models. And the Bible, of course, as you know, is filled with encouragement to grow spiritually, to find inspiration for genuine, true 
spiritual growth. And what we know, of course, is that when a person grows spiritually, they develop their personality at the same time. I've told you that a hundred times. I don't mind saying it again a hundred more times that you cannot ever separate life in compartments. There's not a spiritual life and a secular life and a work life. And a, it is one life that you have. And as you grow in your understanding of who God is and in your spiritual life, you will find also that your personality is expanded, it is deepened, it is given a fresh new wind and whereabout that you allow yourself to see things from different perspectives that is as God would see it. Once you begin to see that your temperament does not have to be guided by whatever emotion is yours at the moment, but can be guided by God's Spirit. When you realize that, that wisdom is not found in the depths of human hearts, but in the revelation of God, when you see that, that God is actually and actively involved in human lives and wants to be so, you realize that the challenge is tremendous. You can choose, of course, to live your life in your own power and remain a spiritual baby or child your whole life where you can engage yourself in an active walk with the Lord that results in spiritual growth and in development of your personality. If you keep your eyes in your text, we're going to stay there like we normally do because the Bible friends matter. 2 Timothy is an incredibly important letter, <clears throat> even for our times. I think Paul wrote it. It was the last of his letters, probably written a couple of weeks, maybe up to a month before he was killed or decapitated. And he writes it to his friend, Timothy. It is written with his heart blood, if you will, to someone that he had entrusted to continue that ministry with Paul had been, it would have been placed on Paul. There's something special about the relationship that between Paul and Timothy. And so when you read this letter, you wonder. Even as we read it here, how packed that is from the very first sentence. Here's a letter sent by a man to his dear friend. And in the first sentence, he summarizes his whole perspective. I mean, his whole life, and he gives it perspective and put it in relief, if you will, so that there can be no doubt about what he's all about. Here's how he begins. If I summarize in a little bit more contemporary English maybe, but, but still exactly what he says. From your friend Paul, whose task it has become to proclaim the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Think about that for a moment. 
If I was to write a last letter to a dear friend, my closest friend, before I was killed or before I died, I can think of a hundred things I want to begin that letter with. Dear friend, thank you for many wonderful times and situations that we have shared. Thank you for always being there as a trustworthy friend. I thank God that we can look forward to seeing one another again in glory. It is good to know that our lives ultimately are in God's hands. Something like that, right? Paul didn't write that. He did not hide himself in the past, nor did he escape to the future. But in the midst of his prison cell, his personality is radiating through, radiating through. And he simply says, I live to proclaim the promise about life in Christ Jesus. That's powerful, friends. You ever doubted who he was? You don't anymore, do you? No cute sentences straight to the point to his friend. So the first thing we notice here, if we simply walk through this text, begin in verse 3 and repeat it again in verse 5, simply that personality is built through our upbringing, uh, through influences that come our way. Well, maybe most of all, this is a word for parents and grandparents. Maybe this is a word for me, yes? Since I'm both. But it goes beyond that. All people live with their upbringing. They live with the influences that are theirs from the early years. Parents, may I speak to you for a moment? Maybe grandparents as well. We have a tremendous opportunity granted to us by God himself. The opportunity to implant into our kids a personality that is made by genuine, lasting, heat and cold resistant, wear and tear resistant building materials. Or we could just implant stuff that is more fragile than glass and less durable than paper. I hope we will recognize the significance of this, that this is our task, not just for the sake of our kids, but also our grandkids and, and their kids again. And, and it goes on. This stuff runs in generations, friends. There's not going to be, as I've said also before, a change on the externals until there's a genuine change on the internals. You as a father, you as a mother, 
You will, and I speak from experience, friends. One day, you'll wake up, and you're going to say, oh my, they're all grown. And when that happens, may it be that you can say, I spent my life, I built into their personality, building materials that were strong, lasting, durable, heat and cold resistant, able to stand up to wear and tear. That's what I build in. I didn't try to build their lives for them. They need to do that. They're going to reject anything you do in that regard, but you can build in the materials that makes them strong and durable and lasting and powerful. That's what we are talking about here, and that's what Paul is about to do also with this. The tremendous teaching that comes from this point exactly to this here, I give thanks to God whom I serve as my forefathers did. And then verse 5, I was reminded, I was reminded of your sincere faith, which first, what? Lived in your grandmother Lois. And then in your mother Eunice. And now I'm convinced also lives in you. Research tells us that the major building blocks of a human being is created in the first two or three years of their lives. We know from the book of Acts that Timothy's dad was Greek. But he'd grown up in a God-loving home. His mother was a Jewish woman. His grandmother was Jewish. They have come to faith in Jesus Christ, it is very likely that, that Paul had led them all three of them to Christ, both the grandmother and the mother, and, and now Timothy, maybe even at the same time, we don't know, but that is not unlikely. And Paul has taught them about Jesus Christ. And these God Unring women had taught Timothy from the Old Testament so that it is now possible for Paul that he even could say from early years you have known the Holy Scriptures. Friends, some of you may not have grown up like that and there's nothing you can do about it. We can't change how we grew up. But what we can change is how our kids and our grandkids grow up. That we do have influence on. What can you give your kids today? You can give them time. And you can use that time to teach them and develop their personality, so that the foundation from which they live, the material on which they will build their lives later on, is strong, durable, able to withstand all the punches they will get as life goes on. So let me ask you, just point blank, so I had to ask myself that. How much time do you spend teaching 
your kid or your grandkid or some other kid that you have direct influence on to get to know the creator of heaven and earth and life itself. You know, in a time when people are breaking down all over the place because the very fabric with which their personality has been woven is too weak to withstand what comes their way, is it not the greatest desire of your heart to say that those that I have impact on, those that I can influence, I want to help implant into their personality those kind of strong powerful, lasting, durable materials that allows them to stand with God when everybody else are running away. How often are you sitting down with your child to make a little Bible study, to talk to them, and through that, implant building materials in their lives. You know, one of the troubles that we see is that we do weird things. We just do, right? So I speak to someone, they say, well, I just spent six hours with my kid. Tell me about it. Well, you know, we drove one hour up. We saw a game for four hours. We drove one, one hour back. That's six hours. And so how many times, how many hours, how many minutes, how many seconds did you talk? Well, we didn't. But we watched. Like how is that going to incorporate or implant anything other than good going guy? Sorry. Sorry. This matters for the world that we live in, friends. I want you to hear this as a point of encouragement. This truly matters. Let me move on, verse 4. Personality is built through spiritual friendships. Next to our parents, it is our friends who will implant, impact us the most. To have good friends is invaluable. Paul is underscoring here the, the depths of his friendship with Timothy, when he says, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Just think through Paul's life. Those of you who have read scripture before can, can have at least some moments of Paul's life in your mind and, and think through. He has had lots of co-workers, you know, loads of friends, but there was no one like Timothy. The Lord had knit their hearts together in such a way that Paul was able to pour into him his life and his experience and his wisdom. And so we see a personality developing friendship is unfolding. I thank God for you. As I pray for you, Night and day, constantly. Just look. Do you have a friend like that? If you don't, 
Look for one. Maybe the more important question is, are you a friend like that? Find and be a friend like that. When you have found someone like that, learn from her or him. Notice how he or she tackles crises, issues. Share your heart and and ask them to share their hearts with you. Allow yourself to be bound together in a common ministry for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Pray together. Study God's Word together. Pray together again. This world has never seen any one person who can truly impact anything for God's kingdom unless they were people of study and prayer. Not only does prayer change things, but when prayer is missing, nothing is changed. Think of Paul. You're thinking, well, I'm not that type. Yeah. Paul was an extreme activist. He was always on his way, always going, always meeting new people, always talking, always starting new churches, always being beaten up, always being put, always on the go all the time. Go, 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 go. And yet, he is able to say, I remember you, my friend, constantly, night and day, in prayer. Are you a friend like that? Do you have one like that? Someone that you can rub shoulders with, learn from. Someone who needs to rub shoulders with you and learn from you. Takes time, friends. And it's the weirdest thing. We'll get together and we'll teach each other how to cook a good steak on the grill. Two minutes on this side, turn it over, flip it so that the lines get right. You know, <laughs> we'll spend time on that kind of stuff. How to fix a flat on a bicycle, how to who, work on a boat or on a John boat. I mean, whatever it might be. We will spend time taking it apart, showing that how long has it been since you did that with how you live your life with God. How to grow in your walk with the Lord. These things are not trivial, friends. If you think they are, look around. Personality is built also through spiritual gifts. I need to move on. There's so much to say on these points. This is such a packed text. But beyond speaking about the people that impacts and influences 
and that God uses to shape a personality. Paul now talks about the foundation for personality development or spiritual growth. God's grace gives. Even the most superficial reading of of these two letters to Timothy will give us a clear understanding that Timothy struggled. He was weak physically. He was kind of shy. He was introverted by nature. That's who he was. He was young. He was inexperienced. All these things were being told, and yet Paul puts on his shoulder to continue his work of spreading the true gospel in the Gentile world. Why? Well, because God himself had given Timothy gifts of grace so that he could conquer his own weakness. And Paul had to remind him, and look here in the text again, is that God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but one of power and of love and of self-discipline. Did you notice that Paul is contrasting timidity, which is at its root a concern about one's own ability to do right and to be good enough. You're timid because you think, I I can't quite do this. And the contrast to this is power and love and self-discipline. Love comes from your concern for the well-being of others. Genuine concern. Power comes from God. Self-discipline. Self-discipline is the desire that you become all God intends for you to become. That's a contrast to timidity that Paul pulls out right here. God's purpose and plan. You see, in in Corinth, Paul was facing all these people that have received all these gifts and they thought it was for their own benefit. And Paul said, get the big glasses on. What is happening here is that God has a plan for all of his creation and he has gifted you to use that for the common good. God is the master. He grants the gifts. I need to move on, friends. But what we are learning from this is that the foundation to even overcome personal weakness and struggle is found in the gifting of God. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, look at his gifts. And then 
fan them into flame. Because the last thing I want to talk about this morning, as time is flying, personality is built through personal discipline. Verse 6. The gifts of God are like other, all kinds of other gifts. You have to be received and they have to be put into use. It matters with personal discipline. Sometimes people act as if life is like a, what is that, like a jack-in-the-box or, you know, toaster, you click and poof, it just pops up, right? Here it is. You know, life is here, live it. There's nothing else to it. But life doesn't work like that. And the people who experience like, life like that tend to think, well, if it doesn't come that way, it all doesn't matter. Then, then forget about it. But Paul says, not so quick. Fan into flame the gift of God. Maybe one of the strongest examples that we can find that easy to understand for everyone. Gifts from God are given by his grace. Right? We don't deserve it. I don't have the gifts I have because I deserve that. You don't have the gifts you have because you're, they are two totally grace gifts from God. But the development of these gifts is an expression of your faith, your love for God, and your understanding of the kind of community he wants to build. Think of an athlete. You're not a great athlete just because you have great muscular coordination. That's the prerequisite. You have to exercise that. You have to train. You have to develop this. Or you will just remain someone with muscular coordination. Think of a singer. You're not a great singer just because you have a beautiful voice or an ear that can make a distinction between a flat and a minor or something like that. You have to train, to exercise, to bring that out. The gift that God has given you come to the greatest use and the greatest glory for God. Personal discipline. Situation is the exact same thing right here. The gifts that God gives moves far beyond. As someone comes to Christ, he grants them gifts that go beyond the just the natural stuff that you give and you get at birth. Question is, as we realize that every one of us has received gifts from God, have we heard when Paul says, fan them into flame? we learned something 
was very wrong. No easy, cute explanations can be given for that. But the response that is the right one is to draw clear to God. Is to realize that when we do life our way, it's going to go bad. Friends, I think there's one way. Take him at his word. Realize that personalities are under construction and they need to be so. It's a little bit hard to find a good way of, of ending this other than simply encouraging one another. Myself included, of course. We need this for our country's sake. We need this for the world's sake. I think you're aware, I mentioned it before, that all statistics show us that there has never in the history of the world been as many people who come from other religions, not the least the Muslim religion, who are turning to Christ as there is right now. In fact, the last several decades have seen more Muslims come to Christ than in all previous history. That's astounding. It's the grace of God. May we hear this. Because if this world will change, friends, these words from Paul needs to matter. Okay, I'll leave you all with a grumpy face. I got to have you all smile. This is God's opportunity. It is. Imagine that he has given that to us. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Really? Goodness. That doesn't change anything. Goodness, that's it. You know, when I see my little grandkids grow up, I, I have been blessed by wonderful kids who are living life like that. But then I see these grandkids come. I see, here's this plate. Here's this person. God has given these kinds of things. What can I do to help implant strong, durable, wonderful, lasting building materials. We're church. If that's not what we're about, I don't know what in the world we're about, friends. Yes? That's what we're about for one another. That's what we're about for all those who are living in our neighborhoods. That's what we're about right now in the children's program. That's what we do with the youth. That's what we do with, with the university. That's what we do. That's what we're about. Nothing else truly matters. Uh, you know, some people are saying, well, you can, you know, you're kind of making this strong. I don't know that this can be exaggerated. I just don't know that it can. I think if something is in the way, I told myself that, I think I learned it from my dad. If something in the way is in the way for that which is most important, there's just one answer. It needs to go. That's it.
If that which is most important is hindered by something that is of lesser importance, it just needs to go. I don't know anyone, any other way to say it. So smile. God has visited with you. And if there's someone in here who says, I don't know that he's visited with me, come forward. I would love to talk to you as well as the staff members. And we want to pray and see God visit with you. It will change your life. And you can become one of these friends or one of these parents or grandparents, whatever it is. Some of you say, well, I kind of got in a rut where I got this secondary to become primary and all that kind of stuff. Come down, pray. And God will speak directly to your heart. Can we pray? Father, thank you that this is not some dark, deep thing that just hangs over us as impossible. This is a promise from God. My task, Paul said, is to announce the promise of life that is in Jesus Christ. That's our task as well, Father. And we want to hear you call us to do that. We want to live that out. We want to be those kind of people. And if we have excuses where we say, well, I'm not quite up to that, help us to look straight at Timothy who was weak and timid and sick and all these things. And God still put his hand on his shoulder. Speak to us as we even sing this next song. Allow us to yield ourselves to you even now.